Tarzan. Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and I have a fascinating and thought-provoking episode for you today, and one that not only centers on a superb film and features an interview with the filmmaker behind it, but also explores weighty and important ideas regarding humankind's yearning for truth and meaning and the means in which we can hope to come upon a deeper understanding of the world around us. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit deep today. So, the film I speak of is called Journey to the Edge of Consciousness, Three Psychedelic Trips That Changed the World, brought to life by producer and director Rob Harper, who is on the program here today. Journey features three animated short stories, one with writer and psychologist Timothy Leary, another with philosopher and author Aldous Huxley, and one with writer Alan Watts. On top of the three eye-opening stories, Journeys also features interviews with a slew of today's most gifted minds, such as Graham Hancock, Gaber Mate, Dennis McKenna, and Rick Doblin, you might know from uh, MAPS. That's the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. The film asks, what can expanded states of consciousness tell us about ourselves, the world, and our place in it? Rob and I, inspired by the enlightening ideas present in the film, take our conversation many places and We explore how uh, psychedelics, while certainly not for everyone, uh, how they can be a tool to not only open people's minds and to the ways of the world and and the spiritual and what really matters in life, but also help people struggling with uh, anxiety or depression or post-traumatic stress disorder. There's real real power here, real potential, and this is laid out plainly within uh, Rob's film. As Journey displays in a profound and wholly entertaining way, how the decision to open the doors of perceptions changed the ways three modern-day philosophers saw the world forever. So I could not recommend this film more. You don't, you don't necessarily need to see it to um, take, uh, you know, take a ride with us in this um, conversation here because we talked just so much about um, you know, what psychedelics can do and just kind of examine their uh, rise from the 60s and up until today and all the research involved. But it, I, I couldn't recommend... Uh, the film, diving into it, and uh, so where to find it? You go to journeysmovie.com. That's journeysmovie.com. All lots of information there. Um, that's where you can watch it. It's just it's it's not only deep, but it's fun. Um, it's really really special. Before we dive in, just a reminder that across the margin is part of Osiris, a community of culture and music podcasts for passionate fans. Head on over to OsirisPod.com to see the bounty of engaging and thought-provoking podcasts they have to offer. That's OsirisPod.com. Check it out. They got the goods. And here we go. Here's my interview with Rob Harper. So uh, thank you for the time. And um, thanks for, uh, uh, you know, reaching out. this, this, This film is definitely something right up my alley, and I found it uh, fascinating, affecting, and just really, really um, cool all around. So what, um, what made you want to make this film? What was uh, the story you were initially set out to tell? Yeah, so um, the story I wanted to tell really was um, uh, 
it was about altered. I don't. I, rather than the word altered, I prefer the state, the term uh, expanded states of consciousness. Mm. And mm. it was really I wanted to set out to explore what are these expanded states of consciousness and what might they offer us? What new perspectives might they offer us? And um, yeah, what what use might they be to us uh, here and now in the twenty first century with all of the difficult stuff we're facing as a as a human race at the moment um and so but you know with journeys really um i wanted to take a look back at the kind of golden the golden era when the thinking western world met with psychedelics and um mm. you know these three meetings and many others resulted from it so it was really a looking back at this 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 golden age this time this meeting um yeah kind of kind of where it all began yeah but it was very much in the mind of how what use is that to us today or what can we take from these sure. stories today rather than just being a historical exercise yeah absolutely it's so applicable to to waking up uh minds i mean almost at any point in time um yes you did speak you know it does kind of look back a little bit and uh I love all the interviews you have. So such sage minds. It's really great. But um, a few of those sage minds implied that kind of LSD was taken irresponsibly in the 60s without purpose, without training or, mm-hmm. you know, gui- guidance just to get high, which is true. But also um, uh, there was one was I think it was Rick uh, Doblin who described how psychedelics didn't go wrong or right. Um, you know, mm. it ended up with uh, empathy for others and in, in Vietnam or, you know, in regards to civil rights. Uh Mm. Uh, people began to identify with the environment, which was so cool. So, uh, you know, it was a fascinating look at psychedelics and, and how they were viewed at that time period. What's your take on how they were viewed? I guess it's multifaceted. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you've just made you've you've just quoted the the, the two poles really that mm-hmm. that that divide around the '60s and particularly LSD, but psychedelics in general, and mm, yep. they polarize most strongly, I guess, around Timothy Leary. You know, he's quite a polarizing figure out of the mm. three characters sure. uh, featured in the film. And, um, yeah, I included both perspectives because I think they're both interesting and potentially valid. You know, I think Gabor Mate, for instance, was much more on the end of, well, you know, there was some very, very important and serious research being done around these substances by guys in particular, people such as uh, Stanislav Grof. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Czechoslovakia and later in the States um, around using these substances very carefully, very responsibly in some sort of, in his case, psychotherapeutic holding space mm-hmm. um, to help people to access uh, difficult complexes that they were sitting on. Um, and beyond that, in Groff's later work, you know, realization that he he felt that large dose experiences were inducing mystical mystical experiences in his mm-hmm. patients clients um and then you know so groff i know for a fact very much um, blamed leary for being the figurehead of this kind of turn on tune in and drop out yeah uh approach to it all but on the other hand i do think you know, i wasn't around in the 60s so i can't have an, a kind of more objective or subjective take on it from the time but you know i've done a lot of research and talking to people who were and i'm also aware that leary's what leary did and didn't say was very caricatured by the then 1960s media you know i yeah. I, I have heard timothy leary saying 
these should be used carefully, responsibly, yep. in the right context, with the right guidance. You know, I've, I've heard him say that. So whether I'm sure he said less responsible things too. I have <laughs> heard and read him <laughs> I do think that. I, yeah, yep, same, same. No, it's fun to see. Uh, I, I think it's important um, to see how many are viewing psychedelics these days. I mean, even, you know, up, up until like Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. And mm. people are just having um, these, you know, heady and important conversations, how it is a tool that many of us can use for, for a variety of ailments and, and for waking up in general. And your film does such um, a good job with that as well. What's, what it touches on too, which is kind of wild, um, is kind of, um, you know, the implication that there is great responsibility in coming upon the truth or, you know, mm. that, um, that it can be terrifying in a way. You know, uh, I think Dennis McKenna says it doesn't require faith, it requires courage. Um, mm. Some of this uh, coming to with this tool that we're speaking of, and I think both of us are speaking highly of, um, it, could be pretty, uh, it could be pretty scary at times for people. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think... Um, you know, this film was is is and was absolutely not designed as any sort of advert for everyone to watch sure. it and then go out and dive headfirst into their nearest you know um, psychedelic experience. Yeah, I think I think w- what we wanted to stress was you know what these experts were saying to me again and again was these can be liberating, these can yep. be uh consciousness expanding they can offer us, us a new perspective on ourselves how we relate to ourselves how we mm-hmm. relate to each other and how we relate to the you know the natural world around us but they can also uh, i think rick doblin said it well you know he says they're like a knife you can yeah. use a knife to kill someone or you can use a knife <laughs> to save their life you know it's yeah. it's not that these in and of themselves are some sort of magic pill it seems sure. But but um, you know I think I think some of the things Gabor Mate says in the film are, are fascinating. You know I'm, um, for instance, you know Gabor Mate dissects our idea of a bad trip. You know mm-hmm. which he talked to so many people. Um, I've talked to who are maybe a bit older and they say yeah I did acid in my twenties and you know had a bad trip and that's me never again. And yep. it was absolutely legitimate uh, point standpoint to have but um you know what Gabor Mate says is well what made it bad you know what was coming up for us you know yes um you may have had to face a lot of fear a lot of pain a lot of uncomfortable things that you were perhaps avoiding facing yeah in your everyday life and that's never a fun or easy process um Mm -hmm. facing up to the uncomfortable stuff and it, I think that is what these um, these expanded states do offer us. They offer us a kind of a, a quite an uncomfortable mirror. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Doblin who was talking about the egg comparison in there and how the shattering is not a tragedy. And if you just want to have a positive experience, that's really not what it's about. Um, you know, mm. when it comes to learning, and you know, it could be trying and scary, and that can be good. You know, it's uh, some of these you know, harder things that you work through. It's, it's, there's a lot to take away, which is, which is wild to think about. And I think that could be off putting too much. It makes sense to me, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's also, it is, it's, it is great to see this, uh, this tool, um, you know, being explored like this. So there's three stories that take place within journeys, which is really great. So how'd you decide to, uh, 
you know, focus on Timothy Leary, um, Watts, and uh, Huxley, and, and kind of how did you decide to um, choose, you know, the the, the moments? Uh, I guess these were each their first experiences. Is that right? Um, um, I think in yep. in Leary's story, that's his first experience. That's his first on LSD. Michael, yep. Huxley, yep. that's his. I believe it's his first. Um, psychedelic experience full stop and yep, yeah with mescaline. Mescaline, yeah and yep. with alan watts i don't think so i think that was okay i think actually the oh he was just a, taking a walk one day yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> well he, he actually says at some point it's a fantastic book uh, that that's, i took that from by alan watts it's called the joyous cosmology uh, which okay. I, I'd, highly, I'd highly recommend all three books you know that's why i yes. chose them they're fantastic that's the only books. one I, that's the only one i haven't read that watts uh, one i'll have to dig in yeah check it out I'll fix, you know i'll fix that yep it's kind of alan watts's answer to huxley's doors of perception um, oh, cool. written 10 years later in the early 60s. And mm-hmm. I believe actually what he says in the end is that the, what he describes is a conglomerate of various experiences he had on mushrooms, mescaline mm-hmm. and LSD, not all at once. But, you know, he sort of he put together a variety of different experiences into one coherent description. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's um, in 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 where we join him. Yeah, he's taken some LSD and decided to go for a stroll one Sunday afternoon, and he wanders into a Catholic church, and uh, lots of eye-opening uh, insights come his way as a result. Yeah, he was he seemed to be coming to a, a lot of understandings at, at once. You know, he walks into the church service, and you know, he comes upon and, and, and realizes the phoniness real clearly. Then he came upon truths of. Uh, you know his own shortcomings in in this uh, show of life and and humanity in general. It was it was a wild ride. He's it, like I said, he was coming to a lot of uh, uh, you know unpacking a lot all at once. Mm, and I think that's that's a really important thread. And I think that's throughout um, one, one thing all three trips in the film that that I've included have in common really is um, I think Leary, Huxley, and Watts in their own way in each of their experiences are come face find themselves face to face with with their own sort of um what you might call their false self or their persona that they've put on to get them this far in life mm-hmm. and suddenly they're kind of you know the, the psychedelic they take face finds they find themselves you know facing it square on and it's not always as, as we said it's not always, not always a comfortable experience for them um so yeah, at first Watts is saying this priest's a phony, everyone else is a phony, and then he kind of starts to look inwards and says, "Hang on a minute, yeah, <laughs> you know." <laughs> and and what he realizes, um, and I think this is a really important point for our current mm-hmm. culture and where we're at in yeah. the West. Um, what he realizes is that underneath this, all this posturing and all this kind of uh, puffing oneself up and playing the big shot i guess is is a lot of pain and a lot of yeah. kind of difficulty and is, uh, insecurity vulnerability mm-hmm. um that these personas are designed to uh, to cover up you know and yeah like like with huxley with the cars you know um it kind of we live in a culture which is kind of based on the persona on getting a big shiny car to prove who, yeah. you know our worth we're sort mm-hmm. of being told that that's what it's what it is, 
you know. Yeah, I've, I've come upon so many people who have the, you know, seem to have the biggest bravado or, you know, like the biggest personalities or egos or whatnot. And it turns out often, you know, they're dealing with things we wouldn't understand and, have, you know, broken in many, many ways. It's, it's put up. Yeah, Huxley does. Um, his was so interesting that there was a perception uh, piece that you chose. He was a, he really got into superficiality a great deal and, and how a lot of us are kind of um, acting out our favorite characters in fiction, which is, which is really interesting to think about. Yeah, I love, I love that line. It's such a good line. Um, yeah, we're all playing our, the part of our favorite character in fiction. Yeah, yeah um, it's wild. You know, putting our hands on our hips and playing John Wayne or, you know, whatever <laughs> our equivalent is these days. Mm-hmm. I, I think, our, you know, I think in the 50s that was it. It was the kind of Marlboro Man or the yeah, John Wayne. I think these days, I, the way I see it, it it's the um, the kind of Elon Musk's, the kind of yeah, the Steve Jobs kind of thing, the kind of rugged entrepreneur, rugged mm-hmm. tech entrepreneur. He's got the world in his palm of his hand and everything <laughs> at his fingertips. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and and what these experiences seem to show all three characters is that you know um, these are crutches that that we don't really need that we've, we've yep. grown up thinking we need. And actually, we don't. And actually, um, life can be more than this. Yeah. Life. yeah. What, uh, personally, what I've always um, thought that, that psychedelics could really, really do, and yeah, I, th- I think you see this kind of, if it's not said explicitly, but alluded to, is just um, it's the reduction of ego. And, and, and with that reduction of ego, you can find empathy and you can actually kind of start living and, and taking down that mask. And that's something I think um, psychedelics are so, so important to. And you, you can kind of see that in each of these stories. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think, and um, Gabo, Gabo Mate sort of ends, you know, I chose to end the film on, on Gabo Mate's note, you know, uh-huh. um, when he says exactly that. He says, you know... Um, these these expanded states seem to offer us, you know, um, a taste of victory. He says, you know, yeah. a taste of something else, and we must like the taste of victory more than you know the the defeat of the uh, isolated egoic self. And uh, this thing, Alan Watts talks about, um, Alan Watts talks about, you know, rings and rings and rings of defenses guarding mm-hmm. defenses guarding more defenses. Yeah. And um, but it's it is just that it's a glimpse, it's a taste, it's it's a sneak preview. Uh, yeah. the, these these states don't in and as and of themselves um, uh, seem to bring about a complete and utter totally changed person necessarily. You know, they mm. they they offer us a different perspective, a different way of looking at that. And then, um, as is also said in the film, um, it seems like the real hard work begins there. And how do you begin yeah. to? walk the walk and and live that in your daily life that's uh yeah the integration there which is wild yeah and i mean if you look um to jump back to timothy leary's experience he uh it was it was i mean it was really intense i think he describes it as um you know the most shattering moment of of his life when he uh you know, kind of his was wild, too, because he was dealing with he was at home. There was, you know, he was thinking about his family um, and he was it was it was, you know, you can't get back, uh, I guess, what happens to you after that. And, and I could see how people would almost, you know, and I, you know, something I don't 
uh, buy into or anything, but like you'd almost want to remain. I could see how someone might want to remain blissfully ignorant to these these truths in some ways. But I mean, it's it's it is so important if uh, you know all of us are going to move forward and a positive open way and, and come together that we that we you know take these risks yeah absolutely you know it did it, it's that's kind of why i chose leary's story really it is it's a as you said it's a, he describes it as a shattering experience mm-hmm. he says he was his 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 world as he knew it was blown apart and um he was in particular yeah that that scene with his daughter is just you know Incredible. It's intense. It's yeah, very it intense. Really is. You know, that was yeah. actually my starting point for the film. It w- was reading. Oh, was it cool? Reading that that little section was like mm-hmm. that just demanded to be shared. You know, and it absolutely. Demanded. So the film actually began with a kind of three minute and the three minutes of animated sequence of his encounter mm-hmm. with his daughter and mm-hmm. where he faces uh, the kind of superficial cardboard cutout dad he's become. You know, yeah. on, on his journey to becoming a top Harvard professor. Um, yeah, you know, and there it's was a, that. a lot of a lot of pain in Leary's life. You know, from what I gather, yeah. his his wife, had, his, mother. his mother of those children, had committed suicide, and yep. he was drinking a lot. And um, yeah, it wasn't a happy scene. And and what Leary was shown there, yeah, was a really hard, <laughs> difficult encounter um, mm-hmm. with who who he'd become. <laughs> That just made me think. They talk a lot um, when it comes to psychedelics. Some people really believe in set and setting um, about where you put yourself and you know where your mindset is when you take these. And it's I'm wild. I mean, Timothy's taking it at home um, in this story. Uh, you know, we we <laughs> talked about um, um, Hux or was it? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Watts walking into a church. I mean, but but I mean the truths they come upon by by being in these kind of uh, everyday um, locations is 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 you know, very, very profound, which is really, really interesting as well. Um, you know, what was interesting about Timothy Leary's one is uh, he was kind of skeptical because it deals with, um, he's meeting Michael Hollins, which is totally fascinating. I'm so glad mm. this was in there, who, um, you know, told him about the LSD experience in New York City. But he was a, he was a little bit um, distrustful of the messenger in this case <laughs> of how, uh, of how Hollins looked and acted and kind of, you know, what was going on there. So that that was uh, interesting that he still went forward with it when he did have that distrust. I found that fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Michael Hollingshead is a fascinating figure. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Uh, kind of, mm. It's kind of behind-the-scenes guy of, of that time, you know, and he, he called him, he named, describes himself as uh, the man who turned on the world, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, there's a, oh, wow. there's, there's a British author, Andy Roberts, has just released a, a, a big, you know, dense, uh, very d- full uh, biography of Hollingshead, which uh, came, oh, cool. came out uh, last year, which, which I would mm-hmm. thoroughly recommend. Um, but yeah, he's a fascinating figure. And this was a really interesting point in my interviews for the film, you know, discussions around Hollingshead. And whether, you know, because Leary went on to become such an influential figure at that time around psychedelia mm-hmm. and psychedelics and his influence over, you know, the, the young American generation, uh, the hippie generation, people mm-hmm. call it, um, you know, how much was all of that history tainted or uh, colored by the tone of Leary's first experience with Michael Hollingshead? Yeah. You know? Um, and some some sort of said that perhaps Leary went on to become a bit. He took on some of that Hollingshead trick, kind of dark trickster persona himself. You mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. yeah, I had one. I think it was a 
I, you know, there was so much I couldn't include in the film in terms of interviews. You know, I had, had so many fascinating chats with these people interviewed. But, you know, one psychotherapist yeah. said, yeah, how, how, how would have things played out if Timothy had had a kind of male and a female co-sitter in a warm mm-hmm. and friendly environment yep. and he'd been <laughs> encouraged to kind of go into his fears and touch them and cr- maybe mm-hmm. cry and, you know, allow that sadness around uh, what, where his relationship with his daughter, etc. Mm. I think it was Rick yeah. who said that, Rick Doblin. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah, it's, it, these are all hypotheticals because what happened happened yeah. and it's yeah. what happened. But yeah. 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 And, and I guess, I mean, we could look at it as that's um, a, a way we can learn from, from, you know, how, how to use these, what, you know, what it, it, I guess it shows how important it is to use them correctly to, you know, with, with the right setting, right. With the right people. It's just, it's how powerful the experience can be. I mean, it shows how powerful this experience is, your, your film, but I mean, that kind of can lead to truths about how important it is to make sure they're used correctly once again. Um, yeah, it's yeah, why, it, yeah. Go on. Well, I'd just, just say, yeah, I mean, it's as much how not to do things. I think the lessons we yes. can draw is, is how to do <laughs> sure. things. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It's wild that, um, you know, they, they mentioned that uh, Timothy Leary at one point was... Um, looked at, uh, I think Richard Nixon said it is the most ma- dangerous man in America. And just, I mean, mm. these people who are coming into, and we, we saw it with the schedule, you know, uh, the scheduling of LSD and kind of how everything about it was so uh, demonized. I mean, it's wild to think about how, I guess, uh, for back, lack of a better phrasing, the powers that be really want to squash um, uh you know the the use of this drug and i guess that shows how powerful and important it could be yeah and i mean i mean look who's talking richard nixon calling someone else the most dangerous <laughs> man in america <laughs> I mean, well said you know well said. him and kissinger that brought brought the world the vietnam massacre and and uh, yep. the bombing of laos so and cambodia hurt. i mean wow mm-hmm. Timothy Leary's the most dangerous man in America. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, um, I think Dennis McKenna said, you know, talk about projection. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and, and another thing Rick said was that uh, apparently uh, Holderman, who's one of Nixon's chief policy advisors, is on the record as having said, basically, um, if we can't go after these hippies for their ideas... Mm-hmm then we'll, yeah. we'll go after them for their drugs. You know, and yep. it, it does seem to have been a very political agenda behind uh, deciding which substances are legal and which aren't, and which you're allowed to kick back in and enjoy in your living room and which you aren't. Yeah, which, which levels of, um, you know, legality they can be and for what reasons. Yeah, there was that point where there's... Uh, I'm not. Ex- I forget exactly who said it, but you know what is society so afraid of? And the the answer that um, the one of uh, your sub- interview subjects gave was the free adult that can make up his own mind. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's Graham Hancock. Yeah, that was Graham Hancock. Is that Graham Hancock? Yeah, and really, really telling line. Yeah, and, and you know another another really key starting point for this film for me was Graham Graham's TED talk he gave in I think it was 2014 called the war on consciousness you know it was all about oh. graham's talk was all about that you know about what what he him he and others describe as uh, cognitive liberty you know um yep. that this question of how free in a in a 
a so in a you know self-proclaimed free society mm-hmm. um what what the place of of legislation and government is around legislating what states of consciousness people can and can't explore you know um yeah. and i think i certainly think um any sober and thoughtful community would want to look carefully at these states and when and how people should enter them and for their own good and for others you know that of course but but the this reaction of utterly criminalizing um and just shutting down all kind of um scientific and medical research you know there was so much was going on back in the 50s and 60s around these substances and and yeah. thankfully um you know this is being revived people I mean, we have finally seemed to have turned a corner from this 19 sort of 60s 70s sort of shutting down of the exploration of these these tools these substances um for yeah, for, I, for healing I, for healing exactly think of ptsd and so many other uh, issues that it can address i i can't help but think of like the opportunity cost of uh uh, all those years, I mean, think of where we could possibly be if uh, if they didn't, you know, lay down the law on these things at that point. But I guess I should look positively that we did get to a pl- we are getting to a place where we're looking at these tools in, in, in a new light and seeing seeing the power. It's really inc- I find it really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm very influenced um, personally by Carl Jung. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, the psychologist and psychotherapist from the earlier tw- 20th century and mm-hmm. you know he wrote a lot about um, the important place that he felt religion what he called religion or we might call it spirituality today um, plays in the healing of the individual mm. um, and yeah, Jung saw it as, you know, he he basically said he didn't see a single one of his patients get well who didn't somehow find some greater meaning in their life, some greater connection to something beyond their, as we said earlier, their egoic self, their sort of mm-hmm. nar- narrow everyday, what's me, what's mine. And, um, you know, I think that seems to be key part of these these current sort of studies with psilocybin and and so forth with, as you said, mm-hmm. soldiers with PTSD, um, mm-hmm. people with terminally ill cancer diagnoses, you know, trying to come to terms with the fact that their life's going to end very soon. Um, yeah. what, what these substances seem to offer is yeah, a, 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 new, a new way of finding meaning and um, place in a much bigger order. Yeah, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, to kind of switch gears a little bit, I want to talk about uh, kind of some of the people you worked with because, I mean, the animation's pretty incredible. Who, who, who was responsible for that? <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, thank you for bringing us to that. Wonder- um, yeah, it's wonderful. The guy who did the animation, single-handedly, I might add. Um, oh, really? Whoa. Yeah, so we're talking <laughs> 45 minutes of animation. <laughs> yeah. Plus all the animated backgrounds of the interviews, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Henry, Henry Lamborn. And he's a very, very talented man. He's a UK-based animator. Um, I've known him for years now. And, um, yeah, we we worked very well together. And he was a real pleasure to work with. And he just got what we were doing. You know, we were just, we, you know, we we worked well together and we were in sync. And my nickname for Henry is actually Hitchcock because he always knew exactly where to put the camera. 
you know, you know, there was yeah. no sort of no need to go backwards and forwards and round the houses. You know, he uh-huh. just um, I'd give him the the sort of scripts, the screenplay, and he just he knew exactly where to put the camera. And and when you're working with a fairly, you know, it's an indie production. You you were working with a small budget economy. You know, on something like this is key. And he was able to tell the stories so beautifully and so economically. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I just couldn't have done it without him, really. So huge, huge respect and thanks to Henry. And um, yeah, it, it, it's brilliant work, really. It's it, it obviously it sounds like you had an ace up your sleeve with Henry. It really it heightened the whole experience of the film, which is really really cool. Yeah, and and we it was really important for us that we avoided all of the usual cliches and tropes around mm-hmm. the psychedelic experience. You know, we didn't want tie-dye, wishy-washy, zoomy yep. colours. You know, it, it's not that. But I think despite that, um, and people have said in audiences, you know, Q&As I've been having, you know, all the more powerfully yeah. for that, really. I agree. No, that's, uh, I mean, I mentioned Michael Pollan earlier, and I just like to see more, uh, you know, I think it, it, the whole kind of movement got got mashed together with kind of like the the you know what people view as just kind of like a, a sloppier drug culture and that just was never fear uh, fear to like the the ideas that were coming from these things and and i love that you uh purposefully you know pushed away from that because those two mashing of worlds uh kind of confused the common folk a little bit that was that was that was a smart move i appreciate mm. that mm. Um, what would you say? So this movie speaks to the power of psychedelics. Do you? Uh, what do you think about um, you know their their role moving forward? And just uh, kind of a, a general question about um, you know what they can do for society as 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 we push on through in this these what many believe are pretty trying times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think as as we've already said, they're, they're certainly not miracle drugs. They're not wonder things. They're not then. You know, we need to be. I think we need to be very careful of this. A quick fix culture. You know that yeah. things like the pharmaceutical companies um, are very keen on us. You know, mm-hmm. continuing to have. And I think we need to be realistic and careful and yeah. thoughtful around around these substances and around the yeah. ex- expanded states that they can engender. But I think I yeah. think for me, what we're you know whether we're talking about. Um, you know, here in Britain, we're often talk. We're, people are constantly talking about this kind of epidemic of um, depression and anxiety that yeah. modern people are facing. Um, mm. And whether we're talking about that, or we're talking about ecological crisis, or we're talking about mm. intolerance and nationalistic or ethnic divisions, um, you know, I think for me these are all part of the same picture. And and mm. what that picture Great. for me is that is that we've lost contact with um, some pretty basic fundamentals about what it is to be human. Um, I I feel that in a lot of cases we've lost contact with something very essential inside ourselves. We've lost contact with the the people around us, with our local communities, um, and with with the natural world around us. and it's this, this kind of state others have described as a kind of a state of contactlessness. Um, yeah. This kind of floating, free-floating. Uh, and then, you know, um, paired with this kind of rampant consumer culture where all of these uh, gulfs and problems um, are offered to be kind of filled or fixed or 
just mm-hmm. you know at least distracted from you know with getting more stuff um mm-hmm. you know um proving our status by yeah you know getting the car we can't really afford and paying mm-hmm. for it every month for the next rest of our lives you know all of that yeah. um i think we've lost contact and i think we've lost contact with what jung was talking about this sense of something greater than ourselves mm-hmm. um and it and i so i think potentially these expanded states of consciousness however we reach them and i think we need to bear in mind that cultures throughout human history have found all sorts of ways of entering into um contact or dialogue with with uh, deeper parts of themselves and perhaps with you know um with with things outside of themselves too you know yeah um yeah and that's been done with fasting, dancing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. meditation, meditation, all, kinds of ways. All, yeah. all, all variety of ways. And these are just one. Yeah. And I think, yep. I think, um, I think step one, as, as we've talked about already, that's shown up in the film, is they can offer us kind of a, a quite harsh um, wake-up call, really, <laughs> to yeah. to yeah. to who it is each of us have become and what we're prioritizing and you know what would what we're putting first in our daily in our weekly lives and uh, not like not what we like to tell ourselves we are you know and so it, it, they can offer us this kind of look in the mirror and then i think they can offer us yeah this connection to each other to ourselves and to something something bigger and yeah, and to meaning. be shaken from the to be shaken from the ruts of perception and you know the va- the value from that it's 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 so important so much of what you just spoke to is uh you know, it, it could be of such value to so many people who've lost sight, who've got caught up in larger consumerism and materialism and just find out, you know, kind of touch base and, 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 and take a step back and realize, realize what's really important. Yeah, and it's not an easy one, as we've said, and it's um, no. not a comfortable one. And it does take courage, you know, it takes a lot of courage to be mm-hmm. willing to step up to that mirror and take a long, hard look. But I think... The alternative, if we don't, and we continue burying our heads in the sand, and you know, yep. the warn the warning shots are all <laughs> around us right now as to where we yeah. could end up. Yeah, I guess it's easier to to put your head in the sand, but I mean, you know, by the time you look up, it could be too late at some point. So, I um I am thrilled to uh, 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 get to know this film, to talk to you about it, to spread the word about it. I think it's uh, not not only I do I, I do believe it's very very important, but it was it was fun and fascinating ride, and you know it's very it's enlightening and it's really really great. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about it and uh, uh, to let me spread the word about it. No, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate it. And you know this has been quite a serious kind of heavy talk, but it, yeah. as you said, <laughs> the film it's fun too. The film is fun. Too. Too. It's yeah. it's you know in my training as a filmmaker what I was always taught uh-huh. was you know you uh, it's no good lecturing people it's no good sit, saying sit down and here's here's the you know here's the hard lesson it's it's through exactly. um, emotional engagement through storytelling mm-hmm. you know and that's what I prioritized in this film it is a roller coaster that's... ride to the other end <laughs> yeah. of human consciousness mm-hmm. and back. So yeah, um, but, but it's it's super super entertaining and joyous in that way too. And yes, you're walking away, you know, thinking about a lot for a long time, and that's that's pretty powerful. Good. No, thank you, Michael. And, and um, 
you know, it, would it be all right if I just mentioned, you know, a bit about the film and how people can was, access it and that was, sort of thing? Was, I was just going to ask. Go uh -huh. ahead, please. Uh -huh. um, so the, the film's available now to, to rent or buy on our website, which is www.journeysmovie.com. Um, it's available to rent or buy. Um, if you buy it through Vimeo, um, we see a bit more of the proceeds. So we're, we're grateful for that. But, um, yeah, we're a completely independent production. Um, this, this film's been made with a lot of hard work and sacrifice um, over the course of five-plus years um, by a small, dedicated team. And so we're really grateful for people's, you know, um, contributing to our costs of making it by going out and purchasing the film. Um, and we've also had this amazing kind of organic grassroots surge really uh, the film was released in september 2019 and mm -hmm. had this kind of surge of people contacting me contacting us from all over the world um from australia to south america to mm -hmm. canada north america and all over europe um asking if they can screen the film and so people awesome. people are organizing screenings in their own local communities um whether that's um 12 people in a small town hall or 200, 300 people in a, in a mega cinema in Sweden. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we've, we've had everything in between. And so I'd really encourage anyone who is intrigued or has, has already seen the film and enjoyed it to please think about, you know, what you could do to, to bring the film to your local community. Um, there's a page on the website which explains to people how they can contact us, how they can work with us to organise a screening. It, it's fun and easy to do. And mm -hmm. um, I think it, having these screenings uh, provokes a really interesting kind of group session, a group conversation mm -hmm. afterwards is where mm -hmm. the really important uh, conversations are happening. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Now the idea that people are excited about the film is not surprising, but it's also very, uh, it's very hopeful. That's amazing. We need, we need people <laughs> seeing films like this and having these discussions and just open our public, open our minds in a lot of different ways. So that's great. So, uh, check out the film. Uh, Rob, thank you again for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you, Michael. It's, it's been great. Thanks for having me. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.